0: Hello, and welcome back to Coco Sleep, your podcast of original children's bedtime stories and meditations designed to make bedtime a dream. I can't wait to start tonight's story, but before I do, I must give a huge shout out of thanks to our lovely Coco Clubbers who've joined us recently. Thank you, Tillia, Laura, Grant, Ethan, Dahlia, Jackson and his puppy Rocky, Alexandra, Camille, Callie, Ella and Sarah. Before we begin, a quick message for the grown-ups. If you'd like to support our podcast, enjoy ad-free listening, unlock four bonus stories per month and much, much more, you can join Coco Club. Subscribe in just two taps via the link in the show notes. But now, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Now, here's a question. Do you believe that only magicians can make magic? If so, I hope that tonight's beautiful imaginative tale will maybe change your mind a little. The story itself was inspired by listener Hendrix, who asked us to write about a dinosaur who loves to paint. Well, we thought, what about a dinosaur made from paint? A Paintosaurus, if you will. This Paintosaurus was created by a little girl named Frida. And when Frida discovers a magical paintbrush which can bring her paintings to life, the first thing she does is transform her horse, Bella, into a flying, polka dotted Paintosaurus. Now, isn't this whole process of writing your bedtime story just a little bit magic in itself? (laughs) Lie back in bed and snuggle down under your covers. Perhaps have a lovely stretch and a sigh and get ready to close your eyes as I take you into the technicolour world of Frida and the Paintersaurus and the magical imagination of Jane Thomas. It was the last day of school before a long summer of absolutely nothing. At least, Frida didn't have anything planned. Everyone else seemed to, though. They were all going off on trips to the beach or exciting-sounding sports camps and talked about meeting up for picnics and sleepovers. But Frida lived in the absolute middle of nowhere and would likely spend the entire summer in the absolute middle of nowhere, too. The nearest village was an hour's bike ride away and was, very appropriately, called lost. And even if she could be bothered to cycle all that way, all she'd get at the end of it was ten tired houses and a teeny tiny store that sold very boring, terribly grown-up essentials. Frida thought chocolate was far more essential than flour and eggs, but the store owner clearly didn't. Miss Pennyfeather stopped in front of Frida's desk and handed over her report card to take home. She smiled encouragingly. It isn't as bad as you think, Frida. There have been a lot of positives, really. Frida took the card and stuffed it into her bag. They both knew Miss Pennyfeather was lying. Frida's first year at the School of Magic had been a disaster, and it was unlikely she'd make it through to the second year there. She'd only really been allowed to join because of something her great-great-grandmother had done in a time that was officially called the Era of Forever Ago. Everybody else had to get in by proving themselves, They'd won their places by showing they could fly on broomsticks or by waving wands that turned frogs into princes or by making whole classrooms disappear with the click of their fingers. Frida couldn't even make a coin disappear in the palm of her hand and her little brother could do that before he was four years old. And so it was that when the bell went... Everyone rushed outside to fly home, waving at each other as they flapped off into the sky, leaving Frida to climb onto the back of her sturdy pony Bella and start the long plod towards Lost. Bella was a beautiful little pony, completely white and with the roundest, most bulging belly of all ponies the world over. She liked to plod slowly and thoughtfully, only breaking into the mildest trot when there was the promise of food, if she promised to speed up. A few miles from home, Frida climbed down and, with Bella's eager assistance, investigated the hedgerow. They took it in turns, reaching in for the plumpest blackberries. Frida, staining her fingers purple and Bella, ending up with a ridiculous purple grin as the juice stained her whiter-than-white mouth and nose. Up high, far higher than either Frida or Bella could reach, were some especially delicious-looking berries. Come here, Bella, coaxed Frida. Come and stand here and let me just climb on. Frida clambered slowly and carefully onto Bella's broad back, talking calmly and softly to the pony and telling her to just be a little bit patient and perhaps she could reach high enough to get those berries. I'm nearly... I'm just... One more stretch. Oh, don't move, Bella. The little pony had spied a stream and was off for a drink and a rinse, for she liked to keep herself as clean as possible. And poor Frida didn't stand a chance. Down she fell, headfirst into a muddy ditch. Bella looked at Frida curiously, seemed to shrug her haunches and continued her amble towards the stream. Frida grumpily pulled herself up and started digging around in the mud for all the things that had fallen out of her bag. Of course, the report card wasn't one of those things. No, Miss Pennyfeather's crisp envelope and perfect looping handwriting was as clean as it had been an hour before. Everything else had fallen into the mud, but not the one thing Frida would quite cheerfully have destroyed. Typical, she muttered to herself, pulling up her sleeves and reaching into the mud up to her elbows. She felt something that was somehow both soft and hard at the same time, and pulled it up, shrieking a little as she realized she was holding a giant toad. The toad hopped out of her hand and dropped a paintbrush it had been holding in its mouth. Sorry, said Frida. You startled me, that's all. The toad nodded, staring unblinkingly at her, and then looking meaningfully at the paintbrush. It's very kind of you to fish that out for me, but it really isn't mine, Frida told him. The toad cleared his throat and gave a little cough, then pushed the paintbrush towards Frida. She supposed he was right and she should really pick it up, regardless of whether it was hers or not. Whoever it belonged to, it shouldn't be in the ditch. As she put it into her bag, the toad smiled and winked at her, before hopping back into the mud and burrowing his way back into its cool depth. Frida called Bella over, who trotted across merrily enough and then backed up when she saw the mud all over Frida. Fine, I'll have a wash too, Frida said and threw herself into the stream. Lying on her back with the cool water trickling soothingly around her, Looking up at dappled sunlight through the greenest of leaves, Frida thought she could quite happily stay there forever. A gentle rumble from her stomach suggested otherwise. By the time they reached Lost, Frida was all but dry, and by the time they reached home, Frida was more than ready for an enormous slice of cake. And by the time the first week of summer had drifted by, Frida was beyond ready to be back at school. She was so terribly, completely bored. Miss Pennyfeather's report had been extremely kind, but very firm. Frida still hasn't found her magical ability. I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do in the new school year. I hope... The summer break helps her find something special. Frida had never done anything magic in all her eight years in the world, and suddenly she had less than eight weeks to prove herself. Her little brother offered to teach her how to correctly guess a playing card someone drew from a pack, but that wasn't good enough. Rule 12 of the school of magic was, Card tricks don't count. They could be learned, and anything that could be learned wasn't real magic. It was a trick. Even dogs could do tricks. By the second week of summer, Frida had ridden Bella for mile after mile in every single direction, and still nothing had happened that was remotely interesting. She rode north and saw beautiful trees and beautiful hedgerows, but they just sat there, waving prettily at her. She rode south and saw fields of corn that shimmered and rustled as the winds rippled through them. She rode east and saw flocks of birds swooping and weaving in the clear blue skies, swirling and whirling and playing in the thermals. She rode west and saw wild horses in the distance, running, as fast as they could with manes and tails sweeping out behind them in gorgeous, glorious, tumbling dances. She even rode north-northeast, which is terribly difficult to do without a good compass. And there she watched as a thousand butterflies flapped their colourful wings and fluttered off into the distance. It was when she rode west-southwest that she encountered a toad. The toad sat solidly in the middle of the path, and Bella refused to pass him. The toad stood his ground. The three looked at each other, Frida coaxing Bella forwards, and Bella stubbornly digging in her hooves, and the toad staring with unblinking eyes. Wait, don't I know you, said Frida at last. The toad hopped up and down and nodded his head. Didn't you make me take a paintbrush from a puddle of mud? The toad hopped even higher and nodded his head even more vigorously. Frida had quite forgotten about the paintbrush until that moment. But she solemnly promised the toad she would go home and paint something that very afternoon. And upon hearing that, the toad smiled broadly and then hopped back into the undergrowth. Frida knew it was only a toad she had made the promise to, but a promise is a promise and should be kept. As soon as she got home, she dug around in her bag for the forgotten paintbrush and then reached into the very back of her wardrobe and found the old box of paints she hadn't used in years. She took a sheet of paper and then sucked on the end of the paintbrush for a while. What should she paint? She looked out of the window and saw Bella in the field, her whiter-than-white coat. Bright against the green grass. It suddenly seemed a bit silly to paint a white horse onto white paper, so instead she found a large piece of black paper and decided to use that. She started with Bella's head, then worked her way back to her long white tail, adding in more and more detail as she went before the final finishing touch, which was two delicate dabs of blue for the pony's eyes. Frida was quite pleased with the painting and was about to declare it done when something inside told her to keep going. The brush rolled across the desk and stopped by the green paint. Fine, said Frida, and added a dramatic green dinosaur tail onto the back of Bella. It looked quite silly, but somehow quite excellent at the same time. So she reached over to the red paint and added four neat spikes along the pony's back. Bella was now more dinosaur than pony, so Frida decided to finish the job properly, exchanging the hooves for blue feet and making the face much rounder and more, to her mind, dinosaur-y. I name you the Paintersaurus, Frida declared, pinning the picture to the wall above her desk and smiling to herself. She looked out of the window and gasped. There in the field stood a wonderful creature with a long green tail, red spikes, blue feet and a blue face and Bella was nowhere to be seen. Bella, she called cautiously, and the strange creature looked up at her and nodded. Frida looked at the painting, and back at the creature, and back at the painting again. There was no mistaking the creature in the field. It was the Saurus. Picking up the brush and paint box and pulling the painting from the wall, Frida rushed down the stairs and out through the garden and into the field, passing all the other ponies that had gathered together in the corner and were looking at the Paintersaurus with more than a little alarm in their eyes. Bella! Frida called and ran forwards. The creature turned, her soft blue eyes unmistakable as belonging to the little round pony. Bella seemed to smile as she looked round at her long green tail. She held up a blue foot, and Frida thought the little pony's whinny sounded like a delighted laugh. Frida had to know if this was true. She mixed red and white to make the brightest, boldest pink she could and painted some giant red spots onto the back of the Paintersaurus. As she did so, they started to appear on the creature standing in the field. Whatever Frida painted was brought to life in an instant. I wonder, said Frida, and as delicately and neatly as she could, added a pair of wings. These immediately sprouted from Bella the creature's sides. She carefully included a purple saddle and reins, for much as she was a girl who believed in magic, she also believed in being sensible. She was quite used to seeing people flying, remember, so it didn't seem like a terrible idea to climb aboard the Paintersaurus nudge her heels into the side, and whisper, Fly, Bella, fly! Bella flapped her little wings, and they lifted into the sky. Frida knew exactly where she wanted to go, steering the paintosaurus to the east and heading straight towards the distant coastline. She half-regretted not packing a picnic, since that was as much a summer staple as the beach. But halfway there, she realised that of course it might be perfectly possible for her to paint the picnic and for it to appear alongside her. The painter Paintersaurus soared through the sky, racing with the birds and chasing through fluffy white clouds. At one point, they drew level with a little aeroplane and Frida watched as each and every passenger pressed their faces against the tiny windows. Even the pilot noticed the dinosaur flying through the air and for a moment quite lost control of the little aeroplane before reminding himself that such things were absolutely impossible and to get a grip on reality. He swore never again to eat cheese before flying. Cheese was famous for producing weird dreams at night, so maybe it produced weird visions during the day too. In fact, if you'd been walking on the ground below the path of the little aeroplane that day, you may have been hit by some lumps of cheese that the pilot demanded the air hostesses throw out immediately. Frida and her paintosaurus carried on, all the way to the coast, and a perfect little cove that was so tucked away and so hidden that it could only be reached by the sea by the most daring sailors. Nobody else was there, so nobody else was around to see the girl and her dinosaur land on the sand. Nobody else watched as they walked along the shoreline gathering shells. And nobody else saw them standing over a rock pool and looking at anemones waving their funky little hairdos and crabs scuttle into corners. And it was in this secret hidden place that Frida drew out the paints and brush and paper and after painting the scene, she added in a picnic. She piled a plate high with her favourite marmalade sandwiches, and another had a huge chocolate cake. Then she included a giant jug of lemonade. Frida took a very small nibble at the edge of one of the sandwiches that appeared beside her on the beach unconvinced that it would actually taste as it should. But it was every bit as delicious as she'd imagined. The dinosaur poured at the ground, just as Bella would do when she was frustrated by something. So Frida quickly painted a huge bucket filled with the clearest, purest water. The painter Plunged her head deep into the bucket, and Frida, unsure what a dinosaur might like to eat, added some of Bella's favorites. A bright pile of orange carrots was soon part of the scene, along with a net of the freshest hay, and, for a treat, a couple of sugar lumps. The paintosaurus nodded her approval and started munching her way through the goodies. As the sea started to turn orange and pink with the setting of the sun, Frida tucked her absolute favourite new shells into her pocket and climbed aboard her Paintersaurus. They flew home, watching the sunset spread out before them and seeing all the birds returning to their nests. From high up in the sky, Frida saw a rabbit ushering bunnies into their burrow, pink noses twitching as they hopped through the field and headed towards bed. And as some animals disappeared as the day drew to an end, others emerged, rubbing the sleep out of their eyes and heading off to live their lives at night. Badgers shuffled along. Moles poked their heads out of freshly created hills, and the soaring birds were replaced by bats and owls who danced and fluttered alongside the paintosaurus. Back at home, Frida thought it might be wise to hide her new creature. She quickly realised she'd made the tail far too long to fit in the stables. And the other ponies really didn't seem that happy about sharing their hay nets with a dinosaur. So she decided there was only one thing for it. She'd have to repaint the usual Bella and erase her paintosaurus. Out came the white paint, smoothing out the coat, erasing the bright pink spots. The long green tail was soon covered up with the flowing white one that Bella loved to shake behind her. The blue feet were once more hooves, and the face was once more quite clearly that of a pony. Frida left the red spikes until the very end, carefully erasing those and sighing slightly as each one disappeared into thin air. Bella was a beautiful, round little pony once more, the others gathering around to hear her stories of flying and beaches and picnics, and not really believing a word of it, but smiling and laughing all the same, because it was nice for once to hear about something other than grass and hedgerows. When you have a paintbrush that will bring anything to life that you paint, long summers suddenly pass by incredibly quickly. Frida painted everything that came to mind, adding books to her shelves that she'd wanted to read for ages and making her mother smile with ever more exotic flowers in a vase every day. She painted a little wooden boat for her brother to play with. And when the pond dried up in the heat of the sun, she painted a new one of those too. She painted chocolate until she ate so much she felt quite sick of the stuff. And every afternoon she painted a cool jug of lemonade to sit and sip in the shade while lying on her favourite painted picnic rug. For the absolute best thing she painted was her Paintosaurus. Almost every day, Bella would find herself slowly turning into the green-tailed, red-spiked, blue-footed dinosaur. And the other ponies got so used to her being so very different that soon they didn't mind at all. On the first day of the new school year, Frida created her finest, most perfect Paintersaurus yet, with the neatest, roundest, pinkest spots she could manage, the spikiest red spikes, and the longest, most looping green tail that would fit on the page. Together... They flew to the School of Magic, landing softly on the playing fields with a skill developed after their weeks of practice. Miss Pennyfeather rushed outside and clapped her hands when she saw Frida looping the reins of the Paintersaurus around a fence post. Oh, I just knew you had it in you, she said hugging Frida as hard as she could. I don't know that it's really me being magic, though, said Frida. It's just this paintbrush that a toad gave me. Whatever I paint with it comes to life. Miss Pennyfeather kneeled down so she could look Frida straight in the eyes. Listen, she said. And this is important. Only you can make magic with that paintbrush. You put the magic into it. Some people make magic when they write or when they pick up a guitar or if they bake a loaf of bread. Some people make magic with a needle and thread or by carving a block of wood or bending metal this way and that. We... All of us can bring magic to the world. It's just a question of finding out how we do it. And I'm so very glad you found your way of making magic. Because now, whatever happens in your life and wherever you go, as long as you have a paintbrush, you can create something wonderful. Frida wasn't so sure this was all true. And really, it was the toad and the paintbrush that made everything magical. My dear, said Miss Pennyfeather softly. Don't you see? You believed in the magic, and so it came true. And that is all any of us need to bring a little magic into the world. Believe it every night as you close your eyes to fall asleep. Believe it with everything you've got and you'll soon find, I promise, that magic really is everywhere.